Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. everybody and welcome to this week in location-based marketing today we are doing episode number 125 recording this live in the afternoon of april 12 2013 my name rob woodbridge montella.tv located in ottawa ontario canada and with me as always from it's yeah asif khan from uh, the location-based marketing in toronto uh and i don't know about you rob but the weather has been crap this week <laughs> it's been rain and freezing rain and ice pellets and not snow really but uh, just crap i'm gonna so. i'm gonna uh i should I just share the screen but i'm not i'm just gonna i'm gonna for those of you who are watching let's see if you can't see this very well it shows my front yard uh yesterday morning which was no snow relatively uh you know not green grass but not uh not uh not yellow grass and then this morning when i woke up covered in snow it just went we we, we are expecting 20 centimeters of snow with 90 kilometer an hour win winds and it's april 12th nice. nice spring my ass yeah we don't have any of that but yeah, all right oh don't complain it's even whoever you are in sunny california or florida or even New York or anywhere, um, yeah, that's 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 the weather in Ottawa right now. Anyway, welcome, buddy. Good week. Was it a good week for you? It's been a great week. It's been a great week. We uh, got a bunch of uh, new members of the LBMA on board. We love when that happens. Uh, so you know, want to welcome some of those guys. Crowd Optic, uh, Critical Mass, big agency uh, based here in Toronto, international agency. Um, we uh, place IQ Duncan that we just were talking about last week. Those guys are uh, on board. So you know, welcome to all those new LBMA members. We had a big event here in Toronto. Uh, the LBMA Toronto chapter had a had a meeting at Google's new brand spanking new head office here in Canada. And uh, wow, I mean, we had like a hundred people turn out for it. We had a fantastic discussion about retail and brands and how location based marketing relates to them. We had Coca Cola and Google and. Cineplex uh, on the panel and uh, really good discussion. Just really great uh, crowd, great questions. So thanks to Google for hosting that. Thanks to Halo for uh, providing uh, transportation assistance around that. So uh, really excited about that. And um, and then the other big news for us this week is uh, put out a press release on uh, on Tuesday morning as well. Uh, we announced the new global advisory board for the LBMA, and we're really excited about that. Lots of pickup around that and. Uh, yeah, uh, you know you got the banjo shirt on. Damian Patton, uh, founder and CEO of Banjo, is on that board. Uh, Coca Cola is on that board. Uh, we've got uh, Urban Airship, uh, eBay, e like eBay, PayPal uh, from the UK. Urban Airships, uh, EMEA uh, managing director Nigel Arthur, uh, Venue Labs CEO Neil Christ. I mean, just just a phenomenal group of people. Gary Schwartz, a good friend of ours here in Toronto. Love Gary. Uh, DMTI Spatial, I mean the list goes on and on and uh, and one of our newest members as well is on that board uh, in Asia, uh, uh, Claire Mula from Spruki. And uh, so yeah, um, excited about the possibilities of where that's going to take us in, in the next 12 and 24 months, so yeah. You know what, it is a veritable who's who in this space that you've managed to collect and be a part of this board. It's it, it's, it's pretty incredible, the, the names that you've got and, and we know them very well and um but still I'm, I'm surprised that they like hanging out with you Steve, quite frankly you know, uh, you know 
Yeah, I haven't been kicked out of too many places <laughs> yet. yet exactly. So. <laughs> Not yet. They keep letting you back in. Yes. Well, I keep dropping your name, and yeah. it doesn't get me anything anywhere. Right? It's like I like oh, the Lord on. of Location. Do you not know who he is? Come on. And they're like, back of the right, line, buddy. Right. That that doesn't help no, you. Doesn't. Eh? Okay. You got to work on that, mm. would you? It, it's because we keep slamming Foursquare. Oh, you is. know what? I think we might start again. I, we're not going to slam them. We're just going to talk about them. It is a big week. It has been a huge week for some of these companies. Obviously, Foursquare, uh, by now you would have heard about the um, the um, pivot, I suppose, that Foursquare has done, their release of uh, their version 6.0 and a little bit of financing. We're going to talk about that. we got more car talk around Spotify and Ford Sync and uh, AT&T, T-Mobile, uh, Audi, Wi-Fi. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about Foursquare. Shazam, one of my favorite companies of all time, like an underdog company with like 380 million users around the world, I think is going to totally disrupt advertising advertising networks. We're going to talk about that. We got some stuff about Layers Pivot, which I love. Esri. And obviously, we've got um, um, some stories about, uh, you know, something that we take very close. Uh, Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker Scotch, Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker. Uh, great, great uh, resource uh, from the Berg Insight Report. If you did not understand, if you didn't know about uh, this whole, how big this location-based marketing uh, world is going to be in terms of dollar figures, you stick around for that. And for our special guest, we've got uh, Daria Triskina, who is the VP of Business Development at a uh, Moscow-based game company called Game Insight. They're about a $100 million company that you've never heard of. And she's going to be talking to us about the importance of localization and the strategy that she used uh, around basically generating a whole host of cash to sell mobile games in foreign markets. And uh, literally, I mean, this is a $100 million company that has had no investment. So uh, look forward to that as our special guest. And of course, we're going to start this all off, Asif, with your pick. This is something that's fascinating you that really is in the location-based marketing space, a, a, an app called Crowds. How local can you get? Yeah, Crowds is, is kind of interesting because uh, what we're talking about here is uh, is an app that's built on top of a fairly well-known video uh, service called uh, Pixorial and uh, been around for a while and uh, so it's the Crowds video app is, is it's Crowds with a K, K-R-O-W-D-S and uh, this is all about um, users uh, recording videos of, you know full, and sharing those experiences of videos and these aren't like Vine videos these are full quality you know full-length videos uh, that are searchable and tagged uh, by location uh, and generally um, kind of like mashups of, of video content based on events. So, uh, you know, picture for, if, if you will, uh, you know, you're at a wedding and a bunch of people are shooting, you know, video from their phones and effectively it crowdsources all of those videos, you know, and kind of collects them as, as you know, as an event uh, and then puts them all together in kind of one spot that you can then tag and, and search by location. So, uh, really interesting uh, stuff. I mean, it, it, kind of like Flickr, you know, does some of this kind of stuff, you know, from a photo perspective. Uh, but here now we're talking about it from a video perspective. And, you know, it, it's built on top one of the most robust video platforms that exist in, in Pixorial. So, you know, this is strong from a technology perspective. So what this what this does is it, it, it it's that uh, kind of shared communal uh, experience, but done through video. So you get different angles, all all compiled into uh, yeah. one one video, or not one video, but one location, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. Crowds k r o w d s dot k c o crowds dot co crowds dot co not crowds dot com with a k k r o w ds.co okay there we go cool. crowds.co 
All right. Well, I, I'm going to start using that. In fact, I'm going to start using that right away uh, so that at least I can share my experiences. You know, the Springsteen concerts, they really come to life when you when you have multiple angles like that. All right. There you go. All right, so what do we? Let's jump into this. We got uh, a whole bunch of stuff here, and I think that the debate and the conversation is going to go on forever. We're going to limit it, obviously. We got some. We got uh, you know a limit of time here. So, our first story. Man, oh man, oh man, what is this? Well, our first story is uh, is about Shazam, and you you and I are both huge fans of Shazam. You know, three hundred eighty, ninety, depending you know, depending on what stat you're reading these days, four hundred million users almost uh, of this thing. Uh, it's been around forever, uh, you know. It seems like you know, like was like the first app released or something in the app world. I don't know, but it, it, it's it's been around for a long time to have that that kind of user base. And, and um, you know, if you've never used Shazam, very simply, it was designed to listen to a, you know an audio uh, sample, uh, check a database, and tell you the name of that song when you're in a restaurant or a bar or wherever you are, and you're like, oh, "This is a great song. I want to know what it is, or you know, I want to download it, or I want to buy it, or whatever." Um, and it still does that. But Shazam's business model over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months has significantly shifted from just checking songs and, you know, seeing revenue from, you know, iTunes by connecting to those songs to really moving into the television space. And it started with, you know, the Super Bowl two years ago where they, what they were doing is, is embedding audio signals in, in certain TV commercials working with those, with those advertisers and those brands. Uh, and as you're watching the TV commercial, you would see a little uh, Shazam icon come up. And most people, as as we know, watch you know TV with their tablet or their phone beside them. Sort of makes sense. Uh, and so you would see this thing. You would Shazam the TV commercial, and then it would create a call to action on the mobile device that says, "Oh, hey, uh, based on your location, we know you're standing at you know you're in your living room, which is here right now, uh, from a GPS perspective, and you know there's this uh, an offer for Toyota, and the closest dealership from where you're standing is here, and here's directions on how to get there, and here's here's the offer. So that's what they've been doing for the last little while. Now this week we hear yet another announcement from their CEO Andrew Fisher. I uh, was interviewed by the Guardian, uh, and. He basically alluded to the fact that they're going much deeper into t TV where they can actually uh, create relationships between what people on TV shows are wearing, like the clothes, the fashion, you know, all that kind of stuff, and return content to you once you Shazam that TV show uh, around that. So they can, they can come back and say, well, here's a whole bunch of information about that show, you know, here's... Uh, you know information on the on the clothing items worn by the cast members in that show you know here's you know a whole bunch of different pieces uh, that you know, basically remove the need for a search engine it's about you know a one click if you will connection to you know I, I Shazam the TV show and and it returns content that's directly associated with that TV show could be you know bios on the cast it could be you know stuff to buy it could be anything really so I love it. I love where they're going with this kind of stuff. Uh, they're making lots of money, and you know, Shazam's just ready to disrupt you know the world yet again. Yeah, you know, it, this was a this was an odd story because I think that you know the Guardian ran this with some quotes from Andrew Fisher talking about that, um, where he says, literally, I quote, I'm going to read from the screen here. We have the ability to identify the product in a TV show so that when somebody Shazams it, they find out where a presenter's dress is from in one click. And this is Shazam CEO Andrew Fisher told the Guardian. We are focused on creating a new category, which we call media engagement. We want it easier for consumers to engage with a brand or a piece of content they are interested in 
without having to go through search engines then mining that results that works with both tv programming and advertising a 30 second slot can be turned into a three minute brand engagement and more he added and then uh you know a, a couple of days after that asif what they talked about was a shazam spokesperson uh, came out and said shazam is not working on a new app for fashion while there have been a number of blog posts and news articles written uh, based on articles in the Guardian, Guardian and Observer, many of them have been misrepresented. Um, and uh, what he actually said, Shazam currently has a merchandising feature incorporated in the television tag results so that when you use Shazam to tag any show, um, you get information on the cast and show, including trivia, uh, music, in the broadcast, cast listening, et cetera. And currently the only monetized piece of that is selling merchandising around the actual show itself. But... Uh, it just seems to me like when when he comes out and says that to the Guardian, which isn't a rag, uh, and says something like that, that they, they are in fact uh, extending this into the ability to purchase right from the show. Like I I like that dress, I like those pants, I like those shoes. Uh, tag tag the yeah. location, the time I'm watching it, and then allow me to buy. And if they're not doing it, and I don't see I don't see why not. I mean, eBay does this. I mean, yeah. eBay's got you know eBay buy you know buy you know uh, eBay TV connections and same kind of thing. Um, you know, for me, this is a logical extension for them. Uh, you know, maybe they weren't quite ready to announce the think. thing, and he just jumped yeah. the gun or, or what have you. But you know, th this this is where Shazam needs to be. Um, you know, and it's not just TV, radio too. I mean, we you know here in Toronto, there was a, a great campaign done by a Hudson's Bay company, big retailer up here, big department store chain, where their CEO Bonnie Brooks, you know, did a couple of radio ads uh, just before the Christmas season. So you're in your car, you're listening to radio. She comes on with this little thing, and they tell you to Shazam the radio ad. Same thing, you know. It, it's 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 about a specific offer, a specific product that they're pushing. You know, drive drive traffic there, and you know, and you know, you're Shazamming. So it's, uh, I mean, in that context, you know, maybe not quite as useful because you know, should you be Shazamming while you're driving in the car? I don't know, but we, you know, that's open for debate. But um, you know, uh, this is where Shazam needs to be. Yeah. You know, in, in, in these types of media. Connected to you know direct uh, you know re, re, you know engagement and, and driving content that's that's related to to what you're watching or what you're listening to, and uh, and ultimately buying products. And I, I yes, 100%. And I think that you know before they could tell their partners, the CEO was very excited about this, and uh, so Andrew Fisher just went out and talked about it. And I think that. You know, I said this before about, about Shazam. It is going to disrupt the traditional advertising networks. And as soon as they turn revenue on like this, the ability to purchase right from a show, do you really do you really need ads? No, 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 no. Do you really need to pay for 30-second ads? No, no, no. Product placement becomes very much more important. It gives power to the producers of the show. And then you take that small engagement in the show, like a little sliver, like, hey, I, I like those shoes. And you can turn it, as they said, into a three- or four-minute engagement on, on, a, on the second screen begs to differ what is now the second screen and we've talked about this many times before that the that the distraction of the second screen and the focus that a lot of these television stations are having on the second screen they're going to wake up one day and realize that that second screen has destroyed them their their number one revenue model which is getting people to the television at eight o'clock so they can sell advertising to it and i think shazam is right in the middle of that it is going to be so disruptive and yeah. and they're helping they just don't see it and i don't get that man and we're going to talk about Layer and their move in this space as well on, from the print side, you know, with our fourth story. But, man, Shazam, I love this company. It will be the breakout yeah. company. Like, it's up there with Amazon, with eBay, and Layer, and Shazam, I think. So, No, no yeah. question. No question. All right. All right. Second story. Oh, Foursquare. Hmm. Where do we begin with this? 
Uh, maybe a little bit of the facts first, okay? Foursquare this week launched their version 6 of their application with a decidedly different focus. You are no longer expected to check in, although the check-in button is now at the bottom of the screen. You, this is now a search and discovery application like Yelp and like Facebook is trying to do and like Google is trying to do. But this is this is now their business is discovery. At the same time, they raised $41 million. Now, the $41 million is not an investment. It's a debt financing with no valuation, with absolutely no valuation determined, not even what it was in 2011 around their time in the last raise. We know they've been trying to raise a lot of money or raise money for a year now maybe at a $600 million valuation, which is on par with what they raised in 2011. Their, their numbers are slowing in, in terms of growth. They won't release the number of actual uh, uh, average monthly users. Um, what what does all this mean, man? I, I, well, you know, I see if I know what it means in your perspective, right? <laughs> well, hey, man, you know what I said way back in our prediction show, right? Yeah. In, in first week yeah. of January. So, like, this is yeah. done at the, by the end of the year. Like, they, they will be bought out. Um, uh, there was a tweet that was posted. Uh, it was referenced in, in, in one of the articles I read this week from uh, Keith Raboy, who's the uh, one of the guys who uh, you know who, who founded um, Twitter. Um, and, and and you know these you know he comes out and says, look, you know Foursquare's only hope is yeah. a buyout. Yep. Right. And uh, and I agree. I mean this this is a last ditch effort by some of the existing investors to. Keep this thing afloat, hoping that uh, you know they're going to see some revenue. One source in, in another article said that, that you know they only generated two million dollars in revenue last year. Two million dollars. Four years in. in. Revenue. Four That's years it. in. Yeah. That's it. Four years in. Uh, you know, and, and their projections are ridiculous. Like they're like they're saying they're going to do like 60, 80 million bucks this year. Like it, it's crazy. How do you go from two million to? I mean. It's just not going to happen, guys. And um, you know, this will get taken out. They got a good database. They got a good amount of data in terms of per, you know patterns and location. You know, data in terms of where people have been, where they're going, what their friends are doing. They got lots of good data. Um, so there's there's strength there, uh, but there, there's a lot of challenges here. There's a lot of challenges. You know, wh- here. I think uh, one of the biggest ones is the fact that they they haven't. They're four years in and they haven't cemented a business model yet. Right? And I think that that's, that's one of the biggest, you know, even in some of the interviews that I've read with, uh, with Crowley recently as this launch, he's, he's, very, he's very open about that. He's saying, well, you know what, we've, we're not experimenting, but we've been trying to find our way ultimately. And in four years in, you had to have figured that out by now. And, and, um, and it's a pretty crowded space. The user interface is great. You know, in fact, Asif, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was at a sushi place in the Byward Market the other day, and, and I actually checked in for the first time. When they when it came out on Wednesday, I happened to you know I was in a spot and I checked in natively inside of the app and um, okay, so uh, you know discovery is maybe maybe the key and a lot of people like Om Malik love this tool, they love it, and even in that same kind of Twitter stream that I saw with Keith Raboy, they talked about um, Yahoo maybe buying it, but uh, it was quickly refuted simply because at a six hundred million dollar valuation. Ultimately, is what they're looking for. Nobody would spend that much money on this, and uh, and I think that this is this is their this is their play. Can they can they turn it around? Oh man, yeah. it's gonna be tough. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'd love to see it get turned around. I just don't know. You know, and I think you know, there, there's just there's just too much. It's taking too long. You know, it's four years into it. You know, as you said, where's the business yeah. model? Uh, supposedly, there's one now. Uh, you know, around you know ads and some of these brands that, that they that they've been working with. That's going to start to ramp up in the next, you know, three four months. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I'm not. You know, obviously, I'm not on the inside. I don't know. Um, 
you know, any anything more than what we're seeing here. What I can tell you is, is part of that, you know, four years of ramping up is, you know, for me, uh, and they're going to hate me saying this, but for me, you know, there's a certain amount of arrogance in that leadership team that, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're the best, we're the leaders, we're, you know, and, and you know, I, I've had personal situations where, you know, brands, retailers, members of the LBMA have, have, you know, come through us and said, look, we want to work with these guys, can you get us connected to them? Uh, we've got you know money we want to spend, and I've I've phoned you know p senior people at Foursquare, and I'm not naming names, and said, you know uh, I've got a, I've got a client that wants to work with you, a big big retailer, um, and they've got X amount of you know uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in budget, and they said no, they've just flat out turned it down and said no, you know we'd like to choose who we work with, was the answer I got, so th there, it's that kind of thinking, it's that kind of you know. Being picking and picky and choosy in terms of who you want to work with, that has put them in this problem. Oh boy! And I think that that is. I mean, revenue is yep. revenue, and when you're a startup, you take all of you it. You don't turn it down, and especially with big brands that can that can launch you are vital to your to your growth. And um, yeah, you know, hubris hubris killed Rim BlackBerry. Same thing, right? Is that um, uh, and it, and I've seen it happen a lot of times. You know, in the old agency days, uh, you know, hubris killed a bunch of those big agencies. It's you know, we won't take anything under a quarter million dollars for the work, right? So, yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, I um, there's some smart people that work at Foursquare, and I think that you know maybe this what they're doing in discovery. It's a crowded space, and there's already some behemoths in there. But the UI, the experience that they're creating on the app, is 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 far greater than a lot of those things, and. Uh, but maybe, maybe without question, there there's still a lot of value. There's still an opportunity to fix this. Yeah, um, and you know I hope they I think do. That, but um, it's the stalling of the users, right? And and uh, the growth because we yeah. talked about this uh, a year and a half ago, saying, listen, if they don't reach 20 million by the end of this calendar, 2012, um, and and it's active users that they've got to be a part of. So you know what? If you take the transplant, if you take that technology. And you know, maybe somebody buys it for the technology. Maybe they buy it for the team. If if it's an aqua hire, I don't know. But they take it and they put it into somebody else's stream and let it roll out with somebody who has millions and millions and millions and millions of active users. Maybe there's an opportunity for that to actually thrive and and the relationships go. But they gotta they gotta see that and they gotta know when to hold it, know when to fold it, as, as Kenny Rogers would once say. So Foursquare, yeah. you, you know where to find Foursquare, foursquare.com. I'm trying to get them on the show, uh, hopefully to get them as a guest, maybe after they, they listen to this. I mean, we're, we're objective. We have no personal play in this. Um, we're just we're just making a comment on, on the industry. And they can't remain secretive. And if they don't want to come on the show, that's one thing. That's fine. I'd love to have them on to have uh, have that conversation about what makes them so great. So we want to bring this industry well, up. Would do. So hopefully. All right. All right. So our, our, telematics. Our next story, yeah. So our next story is actually two stories in one, but we decided to, to roll them together. So we're going to talk about Spotify. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about Shazam and, and all that, you might as well talk about Spotify too because, you know, an equally uh, fantastic platform that's doing great, great work. Uh, so Spotify uh, recently announced a partnership with Ford uh, and, and connecting up to their Sync app. Um, and the other part story that we're going to talk about is Audi, uh, working with T-Mobile to bring Wi-Fi into cars. So, so what we're talking about today is cars. Uh, and you and I, for the last like couple of months, we've been talking about the importance of telematics and what that means for the location ecosystem, and you know the the car being viewed as as a device, as as a location, as much as the mobile phone by itself. Um, and so the sync uh, piece, Ford Sync piece with Spotify, is very simple. Uh, it's just you know you've got the Spotify app on your iPhone, you connect it up to your Ford Sync uh, thing. 
And then basically just using uh, voice commands, you're basically controlling uh, your favorite music and playlists and, and you know, your, your radio and so on, all through, uh, you know, connection with Fort Swink and Spotify. And this is just a simple, you know, integration. There's nothing real rocket science to it, but it brings Spotify into the vehicle. Uh, which is interesting because, in some respects, it it displaces where a lot of vehicles have you know have recently been moving you know the last couple of years into satellite radio, and things like that, um, you know. But with a growing base, uh, you know, for Spotify, I think this this is an interesting potential disruptor around, you know, how people consume music in the in the vehicle. It it happened it happened on the device, right? Uh, it certainly happened, you, you know, to uh, CDs and and when you when you start to think about the the benefit to an advertiser to advertising on the radio versus advertising in something like this Spotify in the car it, it makes it makes yeah. perfect sense and and uh, you know that that's the dashboard I, we think about these things or whatever format these things become as the hub right the digital hub so where I go this comes with me I want to put it into something and then I would love to it so that I can have all the services here but do it over voice while I'm driving the car so that I, I don't have to look at the screen or do anything like that and and this is just a natural extension and and I love this and it's and it's the same thing we talked about what is it smileage uh, last week with yes, Volkswagen yes yeah. with Volkswagen yeah, you know right, that, yeah. that that always on uh, you know smart ambient uh, device like this makes sense and I think that even when you talk about uh, Audi and uh, and and AT&T and Wi-Fi in the car same thing right same concept yeah for sure so and be, but before no. I go there like the, the other part of this is is remember both Spotify and Pandora right now um, you know, I, the majority of the ads that get delivered into that uh, into, into those networks from a monetization perspective are location targeted ads now, right? So, you know, so so think about that as you bring that into the car, right? You know, any ad that you you get over that Spotify radio into, in, in, through Ford Sync is location yeah. targeted. So, you know, and 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 tied into that into that Ford Sync system comes you know directions on oh you know go here to re, you know to and follow this route to you know get to that store to redeem that offer. So you know, this makes a lot of sense from a revenue and advertising perspective uh, as well. And then just to kind of go back a, a, a story or two to Shazam. Now go go to what I said about HBC, uh, the radio ad for Shazam. Well, what if instead of you having to actually you know you know touch the uh, the button on, on the phone to Shazam that uh, radio ad, you just have to say Shazam <laughs> while you're driving, you know, in voice command, and it just does it right. So. For me, that's you know that's a no-brainer, and that's you know that's a very easy thing. You know, if you have that integration in, in, into those in-car nav uh, systems, it's wicked. And and for me, there's a big future in this kind of stuff, and we're going to see more and more of this intersection. So shifting quickly over to the other part of the story, so this you know the Audi part of the story. So uh, you know, Audi basically uh, has got a link up now with with T-Mobile, and we're going to see every vehicle. I would say in the next you know three years, every new vehicle is going to have Wi-Fi in it. The question is: Is what's the business model around it? In this case, it's it's a uh, it's a mobile data plan uh, that's coming as part of this. That you're paying, uh, I think it's thirty bucks a month um, for this plan uh, through T-Mobile. It's it, it's an integration with uh, Audi Connect, which is their version of, of Ford Sync, if you will, um, and it has a uh, sort of a an integrated piece using Google uh, Earth and Google Voice to do local search, uh, all coming through this, all going. All that data driving over the Wi-Fi network, um, you know, so not not consuming uh, minutes on your on your 3G or 4G, or consuming data on your 3G or 4G network, but doing this over Wi-Fi. 
which which is good because you know I think we're gonna we're, we are using more and more data in the vehicles, uh, and if we don't have to you know necessarily have that coming off of our you know our expensive you know cellular plans over here, and we can have a fixed Wi-Fi uh, plan that can that can do that, then then I think there's a lot of value to this. So, I mean, I I like this a lot, but I always got to ask the question: Is that you know I have a radio in my car, and it's highly localized. I listen to a very local radio, right? It's yeah. all local because it's not local to my neighborhood. It's local to my city, which is like a neighborhood. It's like a good embrace, yeah. right? Um, but it's so I've got the radio that's not costing me anything. I already pay you know a hundred bucks a month for six gigs of data on my yeah. iPhone. Um, and I never, I, I mean, I, I've never come close to, to reaching that cap. So, and I, I use it extensively as a radio, as a broadcast. I don't have a radio in the house. I just use that. Anyways, but, but the idea that here, listen, if you really break this down to the, to the core essence, it's about getting a radio into my car that's going to now cost me an additional $30 a month just in order to enable that radio when I already have a radio in my car that uh, is already part of uh, you know the infrastructure of the automobile and it's free. So I always think that there's got to be that that next layer up, right? So for me to 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 bring Wi-Fi into my car as a unit, I think there's got to be something other than radio that I, that I'm already getting for free. And and I always think that what is that? From an advertiser standpoint, I get it, but from a consumer standpoint, look, we we've got we've got expensive uh, uh, plans already that I'm paying for. I don't want to spend another thirty bucks. So it's a cynic in me that says like I want it, but I don't. You got to show me some value. Does that make sense, or uh, like, am I am I not the only one that thinks this way? Because if you think about it, it's it's tough for me to to fathom spending another three hundred sixty dollars a year, so that the you know, the uh, twenty eight minutes a day I spend in my car, is connected. Mm. Yeah, but 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 it's um, you know, there, there's another part to this plan. So you can buy this thing for thirty mm -hmm. bucks a month, or you can pay at any time four hundred and fifty dollars, according to these guys. And that gives you 30 months of of, of service. So there's this bundle uh, that you can get from from you know from Audi Connect as part of Audi Connect. So what I envision here is is you know this is new. They're testing mm -hmm. this out. They're mm -hmm. seeing how you know what the response rate is like. But ultimately, this just becomes a part of the purchase right. of the vehicle, right? So it just it's gets rolled in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 just an option, right? You know, when you're buying the car, do I want this $450 option or not? Um, and ultimately, you know. Some people are going to take it. You're going to get a certain pickup rate with that, and then you know, a few years from now, it just becomes you know standard, right? Um, you know, it's like when I bought my car, uh, you know, the last brand of cars. The you know, it came with a year of serious uh, of serious satellite radio. You know, I wasn't paying for that. It just came with it. it. Exposed me to satellite radio. I got hooked on satellite radio. Now now I got satellite radio. You know, I can't I can't live without it, right? So. Um, and it's the same sort of thing here. You get, you know, if it comes with the car, and you know the dealer's throwing it in for, you know, a year or two years or whatever the time the time frame is, and you and you start using it a lot, um, you're you're never going to want to go yeah. away from it, right? So it just becomes a a feature, and and this is this is a great way to sneak service. So I wonder, uh, you know, for, for, I think this is great. Like, so I would do that. You buy your car based on the connect kind of connectivity and the speed you get, right, from from the Wi-Fi. Um, and then yep. uh, who's going to invent the uh, the lighter plug-in Wi-Fi hub that now I can power my home? You know what I mean? So right. it's the, like, the right. reverse is that I'm going to park my car to my close to my house and now I want to broadcast that <laughs> so that I don't have to pay for a home internet access, you know? There you go. 
There I, you I, go. I mean, there, nice. There's something here. I believe in connected cars, and I believe that if we're going to get into this era of Google Glasses, you can't drive with Google Glasses on and all that kind of stuff. You can't drive with augmented uh, dashboard stuff because it's too much of a distraction. You really have to remain pure in the car, and voice is the purest thing. So uh, I yeah. think that these devices need to be connected. Cars need to become de connected devices on the node if you want them to power, they, if you want them to drive you anywhere by themselves. It's all about that. Um, I'd like to pay my parking tickets at the same time or pay my parking uh, parking meters at the same time. But it all starts with having that, that vehicle as a connected device. And so I, I applaud this. You, you would have a hard time extracting $450 or $360 a year out of me that you know that right now uh, yeah. till there's enough value but you know we are talking about Audi yeah. right and people who sure. buy Audi you know are, are spending the money anyways right so you know the deal this this becomes you know something i think that's negotiable yeah. you know with, with those dealers yeah. right shows um, innovation you know, though doesn't it see that's what, yeah. yeah it does it does all right so uh, I, I i like those i like those it seems like every every time we're talking about it, we've got we've got a segment on cars or a segment on on living rooms and and i, I like that cuz if you're listening then these are trends and if you are an entrepreneur like we are you're looking at these trends thinking okay well th this is where where the big guys are battling so what little piece can you play in there that's that's what i'd be thinking boy oh boy all right, we're going to take a break from our stories. Got a great guest, uh, Daria uh, Truskina, who is the VP of Business Development for a company called Game Insight and also a VP, an executive VP for another company called Narrate, which is an entire uh, publishing platform. Uh, I had an opportunity to sit down with her. I met her at the VentureBeat conference I was at a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco. I had an opportunity to, recently to sit down with her to talk about uh, Game Insight, a little bit of insight from Game Insight, which is her company in Moscow, a game company, as well as Narrate. Full interview will be on uh, the same week that this was published. So if it's after that, you can go back to Antelli.tv and see, just do a search for uh, Daria Truskina or uh, Narrate. Uh, but we had a really great a little conversation around how she managed to take Game Insight from $0 three years ago to $100 million without funding three years later. And her strategy was really about going outside of North America to smaller markets like Korea, like Japan. They, they, see, they may seem like big markets, but she managed to capitalize on that. And how did she do that? Highly, highly, highly localized content. She didn't put cowboy boots and cowboy hats in Korea, right? She localized the content and <coughs> she localized everything. So she she talks about that. Got a little segment about how she did that. And if you're interested in a longer episode, just go to Antelli.tv once you've uh, once you've watched this and, and do a search and it will be up there. So here is Daria Truskina, who is the VP of Business Development for Game Insight, talking about localization. for some reason, especially in the United States, don't think that uh, there is people in the world who actually do not speak English. What? what? There are? There are other people? So like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's like, it comes like a biggest surprise ever. But, um, you know, another detail, for example, of a success for us is that um, everybody pretty much kind of never did this. And we were the first who did. We started to customize every single title for every specific market. And I'm not talking just about, you know, localization and translations of text, but I'm also saying implementing very tiny things which would be very, you know, appealing for uh, taking country. So, for example, in Japan, you know, you need to make your characters to, to look more Asian because then when the user in Japan would take, you know, open an application, they would feel like the application has been created specifically for them. You know, not some guys in the United States, for example, and then here's the English version of the game, and you also, you know, like, second sort of a market, you can enjoy it as well. But you need to be very attentive to your users. 
And it doesn't matter where you go, every single market creates its own rules. And if you want to succeed in it, you know, like, and like I mentioned, like Japan, for example, in Korea, are very tasty markets. They're very tasty markets for a lot of developers right now to go in and with any type of content, and I'm not talking only about games, but also, for example, with Narrate, you know, but um, um, nobody really wants to pay a very uh, close attention to them because there is like uh, the work workload exceeds like any beyond understanding because you need to put more time and need more effort, probably more people, more resources, but then it always pays off. You know, like everybody, now everybody wants, you know, to, to enter those markets because there is DNA, there is Greece, there is Rachel Behemoth, for example. Everybody, like, they know how well monetizes those users. But what do we say? It's a little bit delayed because we're already there and we're definitely going to dominate non, um, you know, non, uh, I would say, like, local developers, which we love. But You know, I find it so fascinating because this is really, you know, people talk about the early days of the App Store. And I've, I've spent some time with some of the top grossing, top downloaded app makers in the App Store history in North America, right? And they say, I say, you know, what was the key for you guys? And, and they say, well, we acted. We acted quickly. We put one foot into an, in front of the other. And when we heard that this was coming, we built for the platform. And then, then by, you know, lo and behold, we were first in. And then we have owned that spot for the last six years as a result of that being first in. And, and I, I kind of get the sense that that's, that's exactly what you guys did, taking a different tact, looking out and saying, you know, where are the emerging markets? Where can we be first in, first revenue? Where can we, where can we protect ourselves the most once we're in there? Is that, did that go through your head as you were going through that process? Yeah, uh, mostly, yes, but you know, like we're also, uh, we're a big company. You grew to seven, uh, to uh, 500 people right now in three years. And we actually hope to be by the end of this year, 700 people. Uh, but we still don't have enough resources because, you know, like every market requires more and more and more uh, people, per se, at least. And uh, with emerging markets, and you know, like uh, be the first is a great thing, but you also need to evaluate your risks very carefully, because you know, like be the first uh, somewhere in China, it's not necessarily going to bring you, you know, revenues to support your people and your team. So um, uh, for developers, it's very important to actually understand not to just go to every single emerging market there is right now, because there is a lot, but you actually need to go to markets where users monetize or you can create something and be sure that you can monetize them. It doesn't matter if they monetize on a you know, level Japanese user, users do because Japanese uh, users actually bring the, the highest RPU right now in the industry. But you know, like if you go to Chinese, there is a lot of people and very high internet penetration as well right now. Monetization is way lower, but you know, if you can figure out that, there is, you know, like monetization probably going to be 10 times less than in Japan per user, but still, there is like 500 million users right now. So, and if you can figure out how to monetize them, you're definitely going to figure out the market. You know, like uh, right now, it's like a lot of people talking about, for example, in Africa and India and um, like some other countries like Turkey, for example, right? So before actually entering the market, everybody wants to be the first, right? But if you're going to be the first with no revenue generated, Nobody gonna still know about you. So that's very, you know, like a uh, thin line over there. You need to actually like evaluate everything very carefully. How important was it that you were you were you were based uh, in Europe? I mean, when this was going on, you know, how 
how deliberate was this decision for you? Last question. This is going to be my last question on Game Insight because because this is strategic, right? When you when you're looking across at the U.S. and and you know the turmoil that goes on with that discovery is is broken as we kind of you know we went through that that table. It's everybody's doing all the same things and it's and none of it's working unless you think a little differently. So how, how strategic was it? Did you did you look over there and say, Nah, we're going to go this way because you have the experience? Um, yes, we do now. Uh, I say that first first year of our business activity, we're, we were pre because we were also you know a social gaming company. Facebook already was exploding, you know. Like, but at that time, the local social networks like Vizinet, for example, in, in Germany, uh, you know, Friendster in Philippines and Malaysia, all those still you know existed, and they were generating great great revenue. So we were trying to put our product pretty much everywhere. And uh, for us, first, I would say, like, six months of the establishment of uh, Game Inside, it was, like, testing and see where the markets are at. But at this time right now, we actually don't have that uh, opportunity in terms of to go and enter every single market because we simply don't have as much resources, even though we're hiring constantly. That was Daria Triskina, the VP of Business Development for Game Insight. Go to GameInsight.com if you want some more information. But I really appreciate her allowing us to use that clip. I really appreciate her coming on to Untethered.tv for a much longer episode. So go there once you've watched this. It's great insight. You know, it just shows that location means, you know, customizing for the location. It's just exactly what we've always talked about. And here's a perfect example of a company that's done that to great success. I think, you know what, she was telling me that her company was the first company to drive $1 million from an Android game with a freemium model. And everybody said that, no, 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 Android is not something that you should do. You shouldn't make that bet. Nobody spends any money on Android. So it shows you, boy, just a little contrarian view. Now she's driving $100 million for that company. Pretty cool. Mm. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Daria. All right, back to the stories, man. Back to the stories. Back to the meat. Um, we both have a I, I mean I, I mean we love augmented reality we love uh, you know uh, anything to do with this kind of world that we live in about uh, drawing the physical and the digital world closer together um, and adding some value to a user and, and layer was one of the companies weren't they like the first augmented reality company that we we had all heard of on the mobile platform uh, yeah for sure I mean they're they're certainly one of the oldest and, and biggest so, so they've decided to change directions haven't they I mean they've moved completely I, I mean this is still augmented reality but they're they're moving moving their services into helping publishers bring their newspapers and their magazines and their print materials to life and and uh, so here just take a look at this video very quickly we're gonna come back and discuss it this is what layer is now doing it's pretty cool with Blair Creator, anyone can easily add digital content to print pages. The first step is to upload your pages. You can use either individual JPEGs or PNG files, or upload in bulk with PDFs and zip files. Just find your file and hit submit. Once it loads, you'll see a screen that lets you pick which pages you want to edit with. Just pick them and hit add selected pages. The second step is to add content. In the left side, you'll see the list of pages you picked. Choose the one you want to work on. And on the right side, you'll see both our standard buttons and our custom buttons. But for this case, we're just going to use a YouTube button. Just drag it and drop it wherever you want it. Then just copy and paste the YouTube URL and click Apply Changes. You can resize the button, move it around, 
Then save your page and go back to the campaign overview to publish your campaign. And everything's all ready to go. Now, whenever you view that page with layer, you'll see the content come up right on top. So the reason I like this, uh, obviously, is because the publishing industry is in complete disarray. And I believe that these publishers have the ability to take an audience and create a, the world's uh, like a, a large e-commerce play. And this really does that. This interaction between the device and the printed paper really does work well together. And I believe that, that augmented reality is the savior of paper. If they would just get off their asses and stop looking at the same business model, they could actually do stuff like this that would benefit their business, their shareholders, their users, their readers, and their companies, right? Am, am I the only one? I, I, gotta, I can't be the only one who thinks this way. No, no, I'm right with you on this. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's an interesting move by yeah. by Layer to kind of you know com completely you know switch in this direction. I mean, this company's been around. What does for, that say? What uh, does that tell you? You know, a few years now. I mean, like you know, these guys probably what yeah. three, four years, something like that, that they've been around. They're Amsterdam-based Dutch company. Um, you know, come coming out of that culture of maps and and GIS and and data that uh, is so predominant in you know in, in Holland and. Um, you know, moving into this space, you know, and I think, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, they're seeing the success of companies like Blipper and Goldrun and some of the folks that we've talked about before. I mean, Blipper, you know, has done a ton of work in layering, you know, their AR platform on top of, on top of print, you know, and working with newspapers and such. And, and, you know, layers sitting there going, well, you know, we can't just be an SDK, you know, sitting here in the background anymore. We need to start powering these guys directly. We need to give them apps to make this happen. Um, and vi and the vision app um, is exactly that. So you know, I love I love that they they've kind of they're going in this direction. They've got some great customers that they're already working with. Uh, the New Yorker magazine, Publishers Weekly, Reader's Digest here in Canada. Uh, you know, are a few of the ones that they're they're there. They haven't given up completely from one interview I saw on on kind of the traditional stuff. And they see value in in, in location, and they see how potentially that you know they can work with things like Google Glass and and so on. But but to focus on on print on on publishing, I think is smart. And, and you know, I'm right with you. You've done a lot of work in this space, uh, you know, with, with publishers uh, here in Canada and abroad. And you know, I, I think everybody understands that you know the opportunity is around not not getting rid of print, but you know, uh, you know, increasing the value of it by by creating connectivity to other platforms and other. Yeah, media. I mean, give away the print for Christ's sake, right? And and connect connect yeah. these two digitally. Uh, you know, it's the same. Yeah, I mean, we can go into a long conversation, but remember the um, the net page app uh, that that we looked at, um, and it, it was the with Esquire magazine. And it, I mean, these guys they, these guys get it. And now, when I see an Esquire magazine in the rack, I pull out the net page app and I hold it up and I and I uh, you know I interact with that. And and uh, so, but what do you think this means for Lair? Because they go down a path one way, which is they have gone after. Um, augmented reality since the day they existed. Augmented reality. Hold up your phone and see what else is out there, that layer on top. Now they've kind of looked around and Blipar and NetPage and all these other guys that are doing these things and, and then they, they, they shift to doing exactly that. Now they're in a kind of a following stance, right? How, what do you think this does and do you think that I mean, augmented reality, not ready yet, obviously, for prime time. Um, but what do you think this does for, for Lair? Does it, is this good or bad? I, I, I like the idea, but is this good or bad? I, I think it's good. Ultimately, I think it's good. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of growth yet to happen in, in, in you know, people, brands wanting to engage with AR. I mean, certainly 
in conversations that we've had with a lot of retailers and, and brands of the, to, that are involved with the LBMA, um, you know, things like indoor location and AR are you know kind of one two at the top of the list of of things they want to test and pilot. So I think the timing is really good uh, for Layer to, to look at this. Obviously, you know, from a brand perspective, people know people have heard of Layer uh, if you're in the industry. So you know they, they've got that going for them. The Vision platform that's a different story. You know, uh, in terms of building the awareness around that, but but not insurmountable by any means. Um, so the question becomes: How quickly can you lock up some of these, you know, these publishers? Um, you know, convince them that you know this platform is better than that platform. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it becomes that kind of game. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, I, I personally, I think this is a good move. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. It's a very, it's a, it's a clear revenue strategy for them obviously they pay you know it's a pay um, a paper page play like everybody else and and uh, i think and it's just an opinion that that uh, that merger between print and digital the gap there's a huge gap there and if you can actually enable that uh for advertisers for sponsors um magazines newspapers uh that are in desperate need of this kind of revenue augmented revenue revenue you know, uh, instead of that saying where you're trading, uh, you know, um, dollars for digital dimes, print dollars for digital dimes, this is a mm -hmm. way that you can augment those digital dimes. You can get many more of those digital dimes as a result of something like this. So, hey, if you're in the media industry, if you're in the newspaper, magazine industry, start looking at something like this because eventually uh, it's either this or go, go away, right, ultimately. So... If you want some information on Layer, just go to layar.com. They have a great developer program. You can get in there. There's an SDK. You can start for free, right? So layer.com. Cool. I like these guys. There you go. It. I can't help it. I can't. All right. Fifth story. Yeah. So uh, here's a story from uh, another one of our great members, Esri. Uh, Guys who've been around forever, you know, probably the biggest player in in location intelligence and geodata space. Uh, they launched a, uh, they just had their their big sort of developer conference, and at that they've launched something called ArcGIS Ge Geo Trigger. Big long what name that for that, but Arc ArcGIS Geo Trigger. Um, not not a big fan of the name, but I love what it does. So um, basically, what we're talking about here is 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 they're trying to solve a problem that developers have. In enabling location-based services, which is, uh, you know, there tends to be a, a big drain on battery life, uh, you know, when when you're using location-based services on on mobile devices, and uh, so basically what they've released here, what what this geo trigger service is, is a series of SDKs and APIs that are optimized for smartphones that are really focused on. Um, you know, managing the built-in location tracking, you know, pieces inside of, inside of a smartphone, you know, optimizing those services, uh, connecting to cloud, uh, cloud-based streaming servers, you know, pushing that content out with the minimal amount of impact on, on, on the phone and the battery. So this is about real-time, uh, you know, data transitioning from the mobile device to, to a cloud, uh, power, you know, all location-based data, basically pushing from a device, optimized for the device, minimal impact on the battery, uh, you know, and, and connecting that to cloud services. And so, um, and this is being led by our good friend Amber Case, who uh, now runs Esri's R&D center. Amber is the former founder of GeoLoki, which was acquired by Esri. We talked about that a while back. Um, and uh, so, you know, not surprised to see this kind of stuff coming from Esri, given Amber's running the show. 
Well, we all know that uh, you're not going to, while people are, other people are inventing the perfect battery and a longer battery and a new battery, you might as well look at ways to optimize the way that you use these devices and, and offload as much as you can. And uh, I mean, Esri, uh, you know, you talk about a dinosaur in this industry reinventing itself over and over and over again. Now, I, I, have, yeah. a, I have serious issue with the name that they chose. Um, but I mean, I think that's a, that's just a, a legacy challenge with a company like that. Hey, we'll call it ArcGIS, right? It's a, well, I mean, if, if they drop if they drop the ArcGIS and just call it GeoTrigger, yeah. that's fine. I'm that's, good with that's that. Like a, yeah. That's like a modern name. I can understand it. I'll, it'll stick with me. But ArcGIS, it just I it, it doesn't that doesn't resonate. So they need somebody in there to help with the marketing because and Esri is a terrible name as well, right? It just I know they got longevity, but it's hard. It's hard to fall in love with Esri. It's no Google. Like yeah. you know, my kids are great. When when yeah, it's well, not when Google. My, when, you know, when you get a lot of response, like returns in a Google search, it's like uh, it's not Google anymore for my kids. It's like it's Google, right? It's the funniest yeah. thing in the world, anyways. So, all right. Well, that's uh, that's uh, Esri launches a ArcGIS Geo Trigger. Just rename it to Geo Trigger, and you will have my vote. All right, why don't you touch on our final... Like, All right. Let's talk about some scotch. Let's talk about some scotch. Yeah, so uh, Johnny Walker, you know, the brand's been around forever. There, the, the, You know, there's a brand that people know, Johnny Walker. Um, and so this is actually a story uh, from China uh, with a company called Touch Media, which is a, a digital screen uh, and, and multi-platform operator out there. And what they've done is, is they've designed a platform that Johnny Walker has leveraged as a brand where... Uh, they've they've got screens out in different uh, you know different malls and different venues you know around Shanghai and places like that, and uh, they're optimizing the ad delivery for Johnny Walker's ads based on density of of, uh, of people who might be predisposed to that. So, in other words, what what they're doing is is they're saying, look, uh, there's a higher degree of uh, likelihood that uh, Johnny Walker customers are going to be around these screens. We're going to serve. You know more ads for Johnny Walker on those screens than in others, um, and you can, as you can expect, the recall and awareness, you know, numbers go way up uh, in those areas as a result. So they're using data, they're using physical location, uh, combining that, you know, those those data sets together, you know, connecting that to an out of home, digital out of home platform, uh, in this case, uh, and kind of tying all that together. So it's time based, it's location based services. It's digital out of home, all rolled together to help optimize awareness and impact for, you know, a brand ad over over digital signage, if you will, uh, through this touch media platform, which is is the company that's, that's providing this service. Um, and and co according to another thing I read from Touch Media, uh, they're planning on on adding some other features into this uh, in the next in the next phase where they're going to have uh, NFC and QR code type stuff built into these into these screen media platforms as well so that's kind of the next piece for them where you purchase. can actually purchase stuff uh, over e-commerce so you might be able to see the ad for Johnny Walker and buy it online uh, you know in an e-commerce fashion directly from the I screen. love it I mean we were growing up it was just dial a booze right it's like hey, yeah. like, hey get delivery and they charge you it and oftentimes they don't ask for ID they used to at least but now they do but I mean is NFC and QR codes and this you know the next version of dial a bottle and you know hey, I, I, I you know what? This they have to make that transition. They, you know, it's it's one thing to display ads to people who are who are predisposed to actually purchase. Then mm -hmm. the the big thing for me is always you got to enable that purchase. And if you can't do that, you can't do anything. 
you, you've got the audience, you've wasted that audience part, right? So you got to be able to help at least convert. Yeah. But how do they know, Asif, that I like Johnny Walker or there's a, a deeper predisposition that I would actually be interested in that? Is it time? Is it um, like, is it like, for example, in, in San Francisco, would it be like, you know, Johnny Walker, uh, Johnny Walker drinkers, uh, you know, ride an Uber, where else, you know, everybody else drives in the yellow cabs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, with these out-of-home networks, what what it comes down to, uh, if you take the mobile piece out of out of the equation completely, yep. what it comes down to is is when you're building an out-of-home digital out-of-home network like this, um, you're 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 investing in putting screens in certain locations, in certain bars, in certain you know stores, in certain whatever, and then you manage that network and and you you understand that network on the basis of who is the customer that's coming into that bar or that or who lives in that neighborhood or who you know whatever so, so there's a lot of demographic profiling stuff that goes on around where those screens are located and that's what they're leveraging here the next step is, is to connect that to mobile uh, in the sense of you know we understand who's standing in front of the screen um, you know and that's where the location data sets start to kind of come together but uh, you know that that they ain't doing that yet in this case. I mean, so, some people are, but uh, not not for this particular implementation. This is more just a, um, you know, we understand the density, we understand the time of day, we understand the location of the screen from from that perspective, and we serve an appropriate ad based on on the combination of those data sets for Johnny Walker. We understand at this time of day at that location, there's you know twenty percent more you know people who are likely to like Johnny Walker than there is at, the, at, at you know at this other location and this other time of day and so they're, they're not going to get as many ads so it's about optimization of ad delivery based on that data. yes well you know I do drink my Johnny Walker in the morning at least I used to That's Johnny Johnny Walker oh, yeah? was my morning drink you know like eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning uh, you know when I come in from an airport and I see those people sitting in the bar at eight o'clock in the morning uh, you know having a scotch which always <laughs> makes me wonder and then I see them an hour later yeah. completely ripped and then I see them an hour later throwing up in the bathroom. That's, yeah, you know, that's 8 o'clock. Scotch is a morning drink. Scotch is a morning drink. You heard it here it first is. on this In fact, I have been drinking it since this morning, and I'm on to straight vodka. <laughs> touchmedia.cn. Touchmedia.cn, if you're interested in that. Just do a search for uh, Touch Media and Johnny Walker. It'll give you a description of that service, and they've won some awards for it. So it's pretty cool. And um, Johnny Walker, good to the last drop. Hmm. Aye, Johnny Walker. It's terrible. All right, we got one last thing, and then we can let people go. <laughs> Our resource of the week, there my man, you. the Berg Insight Report. Hey, you know what? This industry that we're in the middle of, Asif, hey, it's going to be valuable. There's money to be made in here, isn't it? It's just like I, I'm, I'm floored that people, th this is great. They validate this industry for us like this. Yeah, it, uh, it's actually a, uh, <laughs> you know, kudos to guys like ABI and Berg for you know continuing to do great work uh, in gathering information and data around this space. Uh, you know, we do a lot of that, but we we can't do it necessarily to the extent that uh, you know some of these guys are doing. And so it's getting a lot of coverage uh, in terms of market sizing. Uh, they're basically saying that the the forecasted market by 2017, uh, and this is in euro dollars, it will be 6.5 billion dollar market by 2017. Um, and 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 location-based advertising overall. It, here's a really interesting stat in this thing: 32.8 percent of all the mobile and advertising uh, that will be going on, all mobile advertising and marketing, will be location-based. Hmm. Right? Forty, like like 33 percent 
of the of all advertising will be location based. That that's a huge number. Um, it begs it begs it, actually, it begs the question about I mean, what the hell is everybody else doing, and why aren't why aren't they? Yeah. Doing it? I guess there's national campaigns, but you can localize national campaigns as well, right? Uh, for sure, for sure, right? Uh, and there's stuff that's just purely brand yeah. and, and will never be, but. Um, you know, I, I think I think this this is I, I don't disagree with this data. I think this is a fairly accurate you know kind of you know stab at trying to figure out the size of the market. If you and that's up. For, they're talking about it going uh, up from five hundred and twenty-six million euros in in twenty twelve to six point yeah. five billion. And uh, again, this is. Well, let me ask you, Steve. Is this a shift? Like, is this a shift in dollars? Are they just moving money from traditional advertising into this, or is this net new? Or is there any way to determine what the net new of this is? I think that's very really tough. I mean, I, obviously, I mean, uh, people have asked uh, brands and and brand managers and advertisers, you know, about you know where their ad spend is across media right. types, and and I would argue that you know overall. You know, more money is is slowly shifting into digital. You know, from traditional media. It's cheaper, yeah. but it's cheaper. Um, but but I, I but you know I, I, we we actually argue the other way. We 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 actually argue that location investments in location based advertising should be to serve traditional media, like Layers doing with print, like like Shazam's doing with you know, and Spotify's doing in yeah. the car, and you know all this kind of stuff, right? So you know, connecting to radio and so on. So. For for me, you know, it, it actually isn't you know about how much of it is is location based ads on a mobile device and how much of it is is TV and how much of it is this. It's actually, you know, this argument that we keep saying that location based marketing, location is not a platform. It's not you know I have TV and I have radio and I have social media and I have online and now I have location and that's yeah. it's not. It's just data or as you like to say, it's dial tone. It's everywhere. Yeah. Right, um, and 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 so at the end of the day, it, you know, I think every piece of advertising that we do should be location enabled in some way. Yeah, I I agree with you, and, and it's and it's whether it's an additional cost or you're shifting it from somewhere. I mean, they have to complement it. And it, it, yeah, you said it perfectly there. That this is uh, this is just dial tone, man. Yeah. So they can go to uh, Berg Insight, B-E-R-G Insight.com. If they're interested in paying for that, there's a uh, news archive. You get a summary of what's going on, but just take it from us that this industry going to be large, going to play a huge part in your business going forward. doesn't matter if you are in car sales, car washes, or even the cab industry. It doesn't matter. If you're in any industry, location is going to be important to you, obviously. And it uh, doesn't matter what you're in. you got to start looking at this. And that is it. Six stories. We had crowds as our uh, featured app of this week. We had uh, Daria Triskina from Game Insight to talk about as our special guest. We had six great stories, including, you know, knockers from Shazam and Foursquare and Spotify and Lair and Esri. And then, of course, Johnny Walker and, and our great resource, Berg Insight Report, on where people are going to be spending their money in the location-based world, location-based marketing world. 33% by 2017. And that's it. We just nailed episode number 125. One and a quarter, pal. Unbelievable. Got to like that. Yes. So uh, next uh, next for you this week is uh, is obviously you're going to retail ramp. And uh, and what else have you got on the on the go? 
Yeah, that, that's basically the week at, at Retail Ramp. Uh, great conference, three, four hundred, uh, you know, top people in the retail world. Uh, all the major, uh, you know, retailers and brands and such will be there. Uh, and then the week after, we've got uh, two events happening, two LBMA events. Uh, one is the um, on the twenty third, the launch of our Seattle chapter. So I'll be out there for that. And then the next day, on the twenty fourth, we're running uh, the next in, in in our series of events in Atlanta with our uh, combination of uh, the Atlanta LBMA chapter and uh, a AMA, which is the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association that we've partnered with. So crisscrossing the U.S., right? Uh, one day uh, west and one day out east? Something like that, yeah. So you're going to see a Seattle Mariners game and an Atlanta Braves game? Not likely, uh, but yes. Come on. I, I would love to, uh, but... Uh, not likely uh, that there's there will be time for that. So. Well, we wish you safe travels this week, Asif. We'll be back next week for episode number 126. Love some feedback. If you have some great feedback, we would also appreciate a uh, you know a, a review on the iTunes store, and uh, just makes it simple. Just go into iTunes, type in uh, location-based marketing, and you will find this podcast. Just hit a five star, and we'll send you some love. Some good karma will come your way. Until then, Asif, safe travels, and we'll see you guys next week for episode number 126. See you, everybody. Thanks for watching. <laughs>